Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. We're going to look today uh, at the life, uh, really a prayer of Moses. And so... um, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the prayer of Jonah. And really that prayer of Jonah was a prayer of desperation. It was the moment where he finally prayed. And we saw even the sailors that did not even pray to God pray before him. And we talked about Jonah finally in the place of desperation, in the belly of a fish, in the bottom of the sea, finally prays. And so we talked about, hey, many of us are living our life and prayer is not even a part of our lives. And it was kind of like, hey, as we start this, let's put prayer first and let's get on our face before God. And then last week we talked about Jacob and there's this great story about Jacob wrestling with God through the night. And we talked about our tendency to become religious and not real and raw. And we talked about how God loves honest prayers and Jacob's real raw prayer. And it's a phenomenal story about Jacob. And he's then transformed after wrestling with God. And of course, when we wrestle with God, then we're transformed in prayer. Today, I want us to go into not just the prayer of desperation or with Jacob, that wrestling prayer, but I want to go after spiritual hunger today prayer of spiritual hunger, so that as we go into the fall, a part of what marks your life is spiritual hunger. And I think one of the best legends that we see that in is in this prayer of Moses. It's a famous prayer. And often it's a song that we sing, show us your glory, show us your glory, right? So it's something that's constantly on our lips. It's something that we say a lot in song. And my hope is that it goes from song to heart today. We see it in the scriptural context and it just gets lit up inside of us. So Exodus chapter 33, let's read it together. Moses said to the Lord, verse 12, you've been calling, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your way so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Selah. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? There's the next one. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Kapow. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now, here it is, show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I'll have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Father, we love you today and we ask in Jesus' name that you would open up our eyes to see the glory of God. Father, we ask, Lord, that you would help us to become wholly addicted to being with God in your presence. God, we pray, Lord, that the defining mark of our lives would be nearness and relationship with you. 
And God, we just confess our tendency to have our hearts grow cold and stale. And we ask that today you would cause stale hearts to come alive like burning embers. We love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Have you ever in your journey with God felt like you got to a place where you are walking in some religious disciplines, but your nearness, relationship, presence, closest with God has gone dry. Meaning years ago or months ago, you had given your life to Jesus and relationship was fresh and you were walking in intimacy with God, know God, experience God, talking to him, not fully mature, but definitely in pursuit, definitely being able to know God is with me. And then some time passes and before too long, suddenly you're going through some religious motions, but you don't have vital relationship. Suddenly you find yourself where you're doing some really good things and maybe even visiting places where you used to encounter God, but your own relationship with God is distant. I think that for many of us, if we're honest, we all know the tendency to have at one time a heart that's burning and alive, at one time to really be close and then over the course of time to stop pursuing. James 4, 8, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you or, or seek first the kingdom of God. And it's easy to allow the allurement of other things to kind of catch our eye and not have pursuing God, first place, presence, relationship be number one, but to have a slow fade. And today I really want us just to go back to our first love. I want us just to go back to, I wanna be entering into a relationship where it's number one and like Moses ascended the hill, you too can ascend the hill. It's a great story here in Exodus because You've got the story of the people of God and they've been delivered from Egypt. And not only did God deliver them from Egypt, but then he led them through the Red Sea. So he's leading them. He's protecting them. There's a story of God helping them win victories over the Amalekites. There's a story of provision where God's providing water from a rock or where God's providing food from heaven. There's the story of God protecting and providing and leading. And so when we hear the story in Exodus 32 about how Moses goes up on the mountain and he's communing with God, but the Israelites stay at the bottom and Aaron helps them form a calf and they begin to, in their heart, go back to the idols of Egypt. We hear that story and we think, how could you do that? No way. But I think Anybody who's been following Jesus for a while would say that's all of our tendency. It's all of our tendency to at one time have some vitality. I'm going after God. I'll climb the mountain like Moses. I'll be with God. But I think it's all of our tendency over time to just kind of drift, hang out at the bottom of the mountain And whenever you choose not to ascend the hill and you decide you're just going to stay in the same place, your heart starts to turn back towards Egypt because your heart never stays in one place. You are not steady in your affections. Your affections are either growing in God or they're declining. And so are you ascending like like Moses or are you hanging out at the bottom of the mountains and and slowly being allured by the temptation to to worship the idol? I was thinking about um, how tempting it is to get used to 
kind of religious discipline, but not be close to God and kind of create an excuse as to why I am not close to God and never verbalize, but often in our own hearts and minds, if we were to kind of talk with God, we'd give him a list of excuses. Well, here's why, where I'm at, where I'm at. And, and some of those places that you used to pursue, there's not that intimacy, that closeness with God. And you're kind of going through the motions. I remember uh, when my bride, Renata, uh, before we got married, when we were in college, um, <laughs> we would meet uh, every day at a bagel shop. And so uh, that was the place of romance, baby. And we were super broke. And so uh, we couldn't even afford the cream cheese. It was just the bagel. And um, <laughs> we would meet at a bagel shop for lunch. And then, um, and she, uh, she worked at a, a kid's cafe Escondido. So she worked at, as a server at a Mexican restaurant and um, and so she would work there uh, sometimes uh, in the evenings. And, and after she would get off work, you know, we would have like a late night date where we would eat tacos that she bought at half price. And, and then another thing that we loved to do uh, on the weekends was we would go and we would sit at Barnes and Noble because you could buy a cup of coffee for less than $2 and then just sit there for eight hours and, you know, essentially loitering, but whatever, you know, when you're dating and you're in college, you do what you can. And so those three places were a part of our, our, our dating life that year. And then the next year she moved to go do an internship in Colorado. I stayed in Oklahoma city. And all of a sudden now the absence of Renata was a part of my life. And, and imagine the absurdity if the way that I decided to get close to Renata was to just go back to the places where we used to hang out, sitting in the bagel shop by myself, just remembering Sitting at Barnes and Noble, just remember, trying to go buy some tacos just for the memory. No, I'll tell you what I did. I didn't go hang out in those places where she was absent. I called her, I emailed her, I flew to where she was. I was going after her, even if it was she was in a new place. And I think for many of us, we've got a memory of some places where we used to connect with God. And I want to invite you today to stop thinking, ah, I'm going to make an excuse, be content for where I used to connect with God and go to the mountain and get close to him. Like get out of your comfort zone even this week and say, I'm going to go after God. I am not going to live distant. There's a resolution in my heart. And you see this in Moses. Look at this prayer of Moses. Because there's, there's really a whole lot here, but I just want to highlight a few things. Because Moses leaves and there's this whole great holiness sermon on leaving the crowd with the idols to go be with God. But that's for another day. We'll give that next year. Like the, the, but what I see in Moses here is this, this first cry, this first just pleading with God where he says, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. That's the first cry I want to get in your heart today. If your presence doesn't go with me, if your presence doesn't mark me, I don't want to go because here in Exodus 33, God has just said, Moses, you're a stiff necked people. You guys have turned your heart. And so tell you what, I'm going to give you the promised land. I'm going to let you go into the land of milk and honey. So I've been leading you and I'm going to give you the provision. You're going to get milk and honey. It's going to be nice. And I'm going to send an angel going to drive out all your enemies. The Jebusites, I don't remember all the sites, but it's like parasites, I don't know, but it's a lot of them. It's not that one, but Pezzarites, Abbasites, Akalakalakalites. Anyway, Canaanites, Amalekites, Hittites, 
Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get rid of all the ites and I'm gonna give you the land. And here's Moses. And what I love about Moses is it's just a quick decision. You know the difference between you when you make a quick decision because you've got a predetermined position versus when you're really not sure? One of the worst things that happened to our family in the last six months is that we have become addicted to Andy's ice cream here in Kansas City. And it's not godly. It's wrong. It's just, I mean, it's, 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 not, it's not good. It's not good on a lot of levels. I mean, I mean, we love the sugar. We, we're, we're, we need to take Dave Ramsey courses because it costs so much. I mean, like, it's not good for our family. But the worst part is, is that when you go through the line, there's people honking because we can't decide what to get because, because it's just too good. There's just too many things. Do you want the snow monster or do you want the, the James Brown rocky laka laka hammer? Like, it, 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 and it's just, it's too hard. And, and so we stay paralyzed in indecision, in the drive-through, because I can't decide. And Moses here has not indecision. He has a quick response. It's already in him. If your presence doesn't go, I don't want to go. In other words, the thing that defines my life, the thing that I want more than anything, I have already decided. I don't want the blessing of God without the blesser. I want you. And so he's gone, hey, I don't, and we, we, I mean, think about us. We would go, oh, provision. That feels good right now. Protection. Wow. Give me that house. Give me the food. Give me the good life without God or relationship. And I'm dependent on you for my provision in the wilderness. And I'm dependent on you. And we go, hold on a second. I'm frozen. Drive through. Which one? Americans, we don't know what to do because we love that. In fact, many people will use God to get that. It's just God is my means to accomplish my end, which is a blessed life. And so I'm going to use God to get the provision, to get those things. But here's Moses. He pulls back. He goes, I don't, it's, it's not even a question. Moses goes, ah, I've had provision. I used to hang out in the palace. I grew up in the palace. I know what it is to have provision. I know what it is to have protection. I grew up in the palace. I already decided to leave Egypt, be with God. And I'd rather have God in the wilderness than protection and provision in the promised land, even though it's a good thing. And so this is a quick decision from Moses. He goes, if your presence doesn't go with me, I don't want to go. Yeah, it's just you've already, you've already marked my life. I saw you. Take my, take the, your people through the Red Sea. I've seen you provide water and food from the sky. I know you are God. And I've already signed up for relationship. So I don't really want to give that up because that's what I was made for. And that's the second thing that he prays. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will, here's a great word, what else will distinguish me? Intriguing. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Huh. So you mean what distinguishes us is the, the blessing or the presence? It's the presence. This is what marks the people of God. 
The presence of God marking the people of God is what sets you apart. Relationship with God. Not, I try to use relationship to get other things, not just the love of other things and a little bit of Jesus to make me feel good. No, 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 no. No, this is what I was made for. This is what distinguishes me. This is what sets me apart. This, what else? In the promised land without you? No, we're your covenant people. It's your presence that marks us. That's what we want more than anything. We relationship over everything else. That's what we need. It's what we want. And it's what you were made for. I love how in Psalm 92, it says that the people of God will flourish in the courts of God. You will flourish in his presence. You will flourish in relationship. So outside of relationship, you will gradually die. Sounds like the Garden of Eden, right? Right? Life, relationship with God, life. Distance from God, slow death, fading. And you look at the way that God always sets up an environment where people can exist and flourish, right? It's in his presence. It's in relationship with him. So in the same way that he made fish for water and you pull a fish out of that environment and that fish will die. You, pull, you, you put a seed in the soil and it will flourish, but you pull it out and it will die. You put a bird in the air, it'll flourish, but if it, just, if it can't fly, stays on the ground, it's a matter of time before it's dead. There's a corresponding environment that you're made to flourish in. And for human beings, it was in the garden. It's in the presence of God. It's in relationship with him. And in his presence, you will flourish. And distant from God, your heart will slowly die. You're made for relationship. It's where you win. And the allurement is to go back to Egypt or there's more Egypt in me. I don't know if I can go back up that mountain. I got a lot going on. I, got, I, I don't know, I just, I'm s- and you're stuck in the drive-thru. I don't know, do I want God or do I want the world? I want to go back to Egypt? Do I want the pleasures of Egypt? No, no, no. No, I'm made for relationship. I, I have decided. I've seen the goodness of God in my life before. And in these 21 days, I am going to climb the mountain. I'm going to go meet with God. My dream is that you would get that vision so alive inside of you. But then this third one where Moses goes, now, he comes up and he goes, great phrase. It's this phrase that we sing. Four words, show me your glory. And here in the text, it's intriguing because God says, you, you can't see my face and live. In other words, the idea is I'm all consuming. He is a consuming fire, right? Third day, he is a consuming fire, right? Like we know that song. He's a consuming fire. He's, he's God. I can't see him face to face and live. Why? Because he's so big. He's so amazing. He's so awesome. That ancient song we were just singing about, you see a little bit in a little bit of his glory and it, it feeds your heart. That's why we sing it. That's why we say it. And I want to invite you to pray it. It's why you say, oh God, show me your glory. He goes, okay, I'll show you how I'm a father. And you see that he's a father and you go, my response to the God who is a father is, oh, I'm so loved. I'm okay. My identity is formed. I have a father that delights in me and loves me. Awesome. He goes, okay, all right. I'll show you a little bit more. Show me your glory. Holy. Ah, He's holy. All right. I want to be holy like he is holy. Wow, now I'm transformed just a little bit more by beholding him. Okay, now 
show me that you are, I mean, I'll show you my compassion. Oh, you are a compassionate God. You care for the poor, the orphan, the widow, the outsider. You know what? When I see that now, I start to care about that. Oh, and God, you are omnipotent. You have all power. Well, when I know you have all power and you're all good, I don't have the anxiety. If I, and so when you see more and you see more of who God is, it transforms who, who you are. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, 18. We're transformed by beholding. And so you behold him more and you go, ah, ha, 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 you are amazing. And that, so it's, don't think, I'm like, like sticking your finger in an electrical socket. Don't, don't think that. Think revelation. Think beholding, seeing God, and I'm slowly transformed. And then you just go, I gotta, I, I, I just gotta see more. I, I want more of who God is. I, I, he's, he's so incredible. So when he says, you can't see me and live, it's because he's so big. He's the consuming fire. He's more than you can handle. So if you take, if you take a match and light it and you go s- stick that match in the ocean, the consuming water of the ocean, we'll put that match out in just a moment, right? If you go vice versa and you take a huge forest fire and you throw a cup of water on it, that water's just out. The fire puts that out. You can't behold the immensity of who God is. He's that much bigger than you are. And so when you get that, you're not just like standing in the drive through going, I don't know which one I want. You're going, uh, I have decided. You are big. You are awesome. I remember uh, when I first met Renata, um, I was visiting her and having lunch at her house. And so uh, her family was there and she had a middle school younger brother. And we're all just having lunch at their house. She and I are probably about 19 years old or so. And uh, her younger brother, middle school, walks in, takes, uh, goes to the kitchen sink, gets a cup, gets a glass of water and walks out and then comes back in and walks outside, comes back in, gets a cup of water, walks outside, comes back in. And after like the th- multiple times, Renata's dad looks at the middle school boy and goes, what are you doing? As we walk outside, we look and there is a bush aflame on fire. <laughs> and out of the desire to hopefully put out the fire without mom and dad finding out the middle school boy has decided he's going to nonchalantly just keep walking in and just getting a cup of water over and over again. But I want to tell you, that bush just kept burning, right? Here's the reality. You, you, can, you can stare at God and cry out, show me your glory. And he always has more to show you. And the more that you behold him, the more you'll be transformed. And if Moses' prayer becomes your prayer, you'll be surprised how much, just like Moses, you'll start to grow in your heart. If you're not coming with me, I don't wanna go. My life is about relationship, not the treasures of Egypt or the promised land. It's about the person that delivered me. It's about the person that's taking me in the journey in the wilderness. And it's about doing life with God in the promised land forever and ever. It transitions from being about me to about him. So you're crying out, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And if these prayers started to percolate inside of us, where we started to cry out, oh God, I want you to consume me. I want God more than 
anything. That's the first prayer. It's that cry of longing to God. If you aren't, and, and, and I think this is tempting for us. I think it's tempting for us to just, because we live in a great nation, because we live in a time with a lot of technology, because we live in a time where we've got a lot of people motivating us to look at the strength from within ourselves instead of looking to God, I think it's very easy for Christians in 21st century America to go, you know what, I'm gonna punt on the presence and I'm gonna just go pursue what I know. And I've got an ability to go figure out how to make a living. I've got an ability to get an education. I've got an ability. And God, if you wanna come join me, you can. But you know what, I'm gonna go do my thing. And if I get a little God to boot, that's fine. But that's not Moses' response. Moses' response is, nope. I'd rather be in the wilderness with God than have protection and provision without him. And I think that is the vision for us going into the fall. We want you more than anything. You know how to get ahead. You know how to, you know how to get your agenda. You're smart. Well, I mean, you're, I think, right? Like we, we, know, how to, we know how to do life on our own. But in the end, it's ashes. In the end, the vision is not my way. The vision is relationship. You get relationship and you get, you get it all. And Jesus comes and when we look at Jesus, because John says this of Jesus, it's this great phrase, show me your glory. And John goes, the word became flesh, that's Jesus. And live for a while among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. We have seen the glory in Christ. So here's the invitation. Moses, desperate to see the glory of God. Best thing you can do is come before God and say, all right, now I've got the gospels. I've got all that Paul said, I've got the word of God that reveals Jesus to me and I can read his, I can, and I can sit with God each day and I have the Holy Spirit indwelling me who wants to magnify Jesus and let you see Jesus. And I just wanna invite you, let that cry show me. Let me see what God is like. Let me study the person of Jesus. Talk to him, walk in relationship and you'll watch that won't be just a song or just Moses's prayer. It'll be a slow fascination. It'll be a, this is what I'm living for. This is what I love. And I think that if we get that in 21 days of prayer and go into the fall, I think we'll step into a season of ministry and fruit in a powerful way. Because I don't think in our season that most people come to Christ through big productions. I think they come to know Christ through powerful people, people that know God, people that have just walked with him. And, and they usually over time, people go, what, what is it about you? There's just, you respond differently and the whole world is filled with anxiety and there's so much, but you respond, you're different. I see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I see a fruit in your life. And that, that's, that's how we're gonna make a difference. If you'll know God, I mean, really know him and walk with him. Then there'll be like an aroma where people come to know him. They'll go, I want what you have. I want to know God like that. I see it in you. I was telling you about that 
that Mexican restaurant that Renata worked at, when she would get off work, I knew exactly <laughs> that she had worked that night because she always smelled like Mexican food. She smelled like Ted's Cafe Escondido. And I knew the environment she had been hanging at. It was tortillas, sopapillas, made me starving <laughs> for Mexican food, right? I remember a buddy of mine, um, he moved from Colorado Springs to Birmingham, Alabama. And he had grown up, he was born and raised in Colorado. And at age 24, he moved to Alabama. And he had lived there for about four years and I had lunch with him. And it was the most bizarre thing because he said, hey, I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? Nice to see you, man. I'm so glad you came down down here to see me. And I thought, what happened to you? Why? Transformed, different in the environment. You hang out at Mexican food, you're going to smell like Mexican food. You hang out in Alabama, you're going to talk a little bit different like that, right? It's the environment. You get in the environment of the presence of God. You get in the environment of being with God and there's an aroma. In fact, in Exodus 34 here, it says that Moses, when he came down the mountain, it says that his face was radiant. Why? Why have you been with God? It's the vision of this church, that you would know God. I mean, you get that, you get it all. You get that, you win. People go, I just, I just want what you got. You get that, you don't wanna make disciples and life on life with people. You get that, you wanna serve. You get that, prayer is enjoyable rather than a religious obligation. You get that, you get it all. Those who look to him are radiant. It's the great phrase used of Moses who had been with God. And so these 21 days, this is the last leg. This is, this is I mean, this is third base running home this last week and I wanna invite you to get with God. Instead of creating excuses as to why you're too busy, just say, no, I'm gonna... I'm gonna go up the mountain too. I'm not gonna make an excuse as to why I'm gonna stay down here. You stay down there. You just watch. It's a matter of time before the idols of Egypt start to look pretty good. Will you go to the mountain? Will you just get with God? Just be with him. You'll be, you'll be transformed in his presence. You won't just think, show me your glory is Moses's prayer in Katie's song. You'll think, it's my story. Show me who you are. I wanna behold, I wanna see. But it'll take some work. It just does. It takes setting a time and a place, being consistent. It takes, or when you're driving and you're turning something off in order to pray, or when you're going without a meal to pray, it does take intentionality to have that heart that's burning, that's alive. I'll just close with this. Uh, my family, we like to make fires um, and just sit. <laughs> That's a bad place to pause. We like to make fires and just sit there and, you know, hang out. And most of us, five of us just kind of pay very little attention to the fire. We just kind of talk and hang. But my son, Justice, he's 10. And uh, he's always paying attention to the fire. Like he's throwing sticks in it. He's going and he's asking me questions like, Dad, if we move that log over there, will the flame get bigger? Get, what, what, I mean, what if, 
what does this gasoline do, dad? I mean, you know, like he's just, he's just paying attention to the fire. And every fire goes out unless someone works on it, takes care of it. Yours will too. Moses had to leave the camp, walk away and go up the mountain. That's the way it works. All of us can come up with reasons why we're too busy to pray and climb the mountain. But if you climb the mountain, don't let, don't, don't let Moses climb the mountain and you stay at the bottom of the hill. You'll wake up and go, no, here I am. I got, I'm an idol making factory and all these idols are appearing. No, I'm gonna choose. And I'll tell you this, those prayers in Moses, become your prayers. You'll go, oh God, if you don't go with me, I don't need the American dream. I need the God dream. My tendency is to make the American dream my idol. But if I have all the good things, but I don't have the God who made me, I have nothing. God, you're what distinguishes me. How else will people, how else will anyone know unless you're with me? If I move forward without you, I'm nothing. I want people to know you. God, all right, I'm not done. Show me a little more. Transform me a little bit more. Show me who you are. Wow, you are the God who loves. You are the God who creates. You are the God of power. You are the God that I'll spend eternity with. So if I've got you, I'm good. We bow your heads with me. Just take a moment and just say, God, here's the one thing that you're saying to me today. Just one. Now you just give him your yes. Yes, God. I'll go to the mountain too. If you're here today and you've been living for yourself and today you want to just say, I'm done living for me. I want Jesus to be my Savior and my Lord. And I just give you this one prayer. It's not the only thing you need to say to God, but it's the first thing. Just say, Father, I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I give you everything today. Be the Lord of my life. Make me a new person in Christ. In Jesus' name.